Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 999 of Locked on Raptors for Friday, August the 6th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure to check out the entirety of the Locked on Podcast Network. Subscribe, rate, review, follow, tell a friend, all of that good stuff to support the shows that you like, covering the teams that you love across the board. Uh, all right, on today's show, but by the way, apologies if I'm a little bit whispery right now. My uh, lovely fiance is sleeping just a couple rooms away, and I'm trying to let her sleep in, so I'm trying not to be my usual screamy self. Uh, but on today's show, it's uh, it's a big one. There's some big news that came down last night. A couple bits of news for the Raptors. Uh, Masai Ujiri is back with the Raptors. I don't think this was a surprise necessarily, but we will talk about his return here in the first segment. In addition, in the first segment, we're going to dig into... Ken Birch returning to the Raptors on a three-year, $20 million contract. Then in the final two segments of the show, I'm joined by Dave Ramil of Locked On Heat as we dig into Goran Dragic and Precious Achua, what you should know about those guys coming to Toronto. A lot of Dragic talk. Uh, it still is very much up in the air, and as I'll get to in the Birch talk, maybe it shouldn't be up in the air. Maybe there's just an easy decision here for the Raptors when it comes to Dragic. We'll get to that in one second. But let's... Talk about Masai Ujiri. They dropped the wonderful, moving, we will win in Toronto, returning video on the Raptors' social feeds. Uh, they really do these moments quite well. <laughs> they, they really nailed it. And Masai Ujiri is back with the Raptors. The report comes down yesterday afternoon that he will be returning on a uh, multi-year deal to become not just the not just stay the president, but also to become the vice chairman of the Toronto Raptors. So a nice little promotion there for Masai. And look, this is amazing news. Obviously, I think I exuded a pretty strong, quiet confidence, maybe not even quiet confidence, that he was not going anywhere on this podcast. There were no other jobs around the NBA where it really made sense for him to jump to. And as I'd always said, if he was going to leave the Raptors, it was going to probably be for something outside of running a basketball team, which honestly kind of seems below him sometimes. And, the, you know, the big thing, it seemed, when he did his post-game press conference or postseason press conference was he wanted to have his desires met by MLSE. He had a lot of plans, it seems, for how to track the course forward for the Raptors. It seems he really wanted to kind of get the Raptors back ahead of the curve a little bit. And I think the fact that he re-signed suggests that MLSE is going to very happily give those things to Masai Ujiri. It's very good news. It's not just a typical, oh, guy re-signs and it's all good. Like, we knew from Masai's own mouth that there were certain things he was going to want if he was going to be back. And for him to be back suggests that he's going to get those things and those resources from MLSE. And, and I don't think it should be a surprise that MLSE is going to pay a lot of money to keep Messiah around and potentially cede to some expensive plans for whatever it might be, player development plans for the franchise going forward, maybe all-star bids in the future. I don't really know what the whole plan is. I'm not Messiah Ujiri. There's a reason that's not the case. But 
I think the fact that he's back suggests that MLSC is very much coughing up the dough. And as I said, you know, it'd be stupid for them not to. The Raptors are an absolute cash cow when they're good. And even when they're sort of medium good, they are an absolute monster and they make a ton of money for MLSC. And coming out of a pandemic, you might want the interest to be as high as it possibly could be. And having Masai Ujiri back certainly causes a lot of that sort of tension and nervous energy and, uh-oh, are the Raptors the same Raptors kind of energy to go away. And that is... Lovely, very happy Masai's back again. I think it was pretty clear from the draft process where he was sitting in and, you know, scouting all these guys, sitting in and, you know, high-fiving Bobby Webster when he was in the uh, the room making the pick of Scotty Barnes. Like, it seemed like he was pretty hands-on throughout the process. There was, like, a theory that he was working pro bono and just, like, getting ready to leave and setting the team up before setting off into the sunset. I was on the other side thinking, I think he's been signed for, like, a month and was trying to teach Raptors fans a lesson about believing in their city and believing in themselves because that's been his whole refrain for the last couple years ever since Kawhi Leonard. And uh, I'm going to believe that my theory was more correct than the other side of things. So... Awesome stuff. There's really not a bad thing to say about Masai Ujiri being back. All of the sort of critics who are, you know, down on his return in the Kyle Lowry trade, I'm sure are (laughs) questioning any sort of questions they might have had now. I think a lot of the tension and uneasiness about this offseason probably goes away now that Masai is back. And it's kind of just like, all right, Masai's there. The vision is obviously in place in some way, shape, or form. He's there to execute it. And you can kind of go forward and accept that, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a different team next season. Obviously, leaving behind the Kyle Lowry era is huge. It would have been a massive step into the unknown to go into both the post-Lowry and post-Ujiri era at the same time. That's not happening. And that is very good news for the Toronto Raptors and its fans. Also good news for the Toronto Raptors and a noted fan of the team growing up is Ken Birch is back with the Toronto Raptors. Three years, $20 million are the reports. Um, So that'll probably be a big chunk of the MLE once the whole cap situation is figured out. And that's awesome. That's a great deal. I'm so happy for Ken Birch. Very happy for his family. That's a great, great payday for a guy who had a really long arduous road to the NBA has not made a ton of money in his NBA career so far he's been in the league for a few years so he's made some money obviously but this is going to substantially increase his career earnings and after playing over in Turkey and Greece and making his way back to the NBA just a wonderful success story and I really am thrilled to see what Ken Birch with this sort of unleashed new lease on his skill set could do for the Raptors next season. We saw when he kind of came into the team, he was asked to do things the Magic just never even thought to ask him to do. He was making passes on the short roll. He was shooting some threes. He was switching out on the perimeter and sort of showing that really intriguing defensive you know side of the side of the game as well you know we knew he was a good rim protector and he clearly has a little bit more stretch to his defense as well and I think you know we saw so much trouble last year for the Raptors defense because the personnel wasn't quite there I think Birch certainly fits the Raptors personnel the type of personnel you need to run the Raptors defensive system am I still hoping that they kind of calm things down a little bit next season and rein it in and become a little bit less aggressive yeah probably but if Nick Nurse is going to be stuck in his ways and steadfast with the defense that he's concocted, then Ken Birch is a guy who can help execute that for sure. Also, he's six foot nine. Vision six foot nine is uh, still very much alive for the Toronto Raptors, which is lovely. Um, you know, in terms of the salary, yeah, it's a totally reasonable salary for him. I, I, again, I'm not in the business of counting money. It's an exception that they're giving him to, to him anyway. So who really cares? Um, that leaves a little bit of room in the MLE to add something else that they'd like. Although the roster is pretty full. 
The real sort of implication of the Birch signing, though, I think ties into the Goran Dragic situation. I think, you know, and maybe it's possible that the Raptors could just roll out a center rotation of both Kem Birch and, and Dwight Powell and be happy with it. But I really think Birch coming back sort of solidifies the front court a little bit here. And this was kind of what I was talking about off the top of the, the, the summer, where Birch was so good down the stretch that it didn't force the Raptors' hand in having to go throw a ton of money at a guy like Jared Allen or something like that. If it worked out, great. But if not, there was that fallback option of Birch plus now Achua plus small ball. And again, small ball worked damn well for the Raptors last season, regardless of you know how things were perceived when it came to the center position the best Raptors basketball played last year was played mostly going small and they'll be able to do that just with bigger players this season which is great and I never really felt like there was this urgent need to go and throw all the money into the center again it would have been nice had it happened especially if they had drafted Jalen Suggs and you could find a nice pick and roll partner for a growing point guard that would have been cool instead Birch figures to be the starter probably from day one barring some trade for Dwight Powell in the Dragic situation but as I was kind of alluding to I think Birch coming back means you don't really have to go and trade Dragic now. I think the right decision, actually, for roster balance purposes, is just to keep Birch, or sorry, just to keep Birch as like the top of the top, you know, top of the depth chart for centers. Don't worry about getting Powell and keep Dragic around and have him work in that backcourt as your third or fourth guard with Gary Trent Jr., Malachi Flynn, and Fred Van Vliet all kind of sharing the load there. I think that makes a lot of sense. You get some ball handling as well from OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. You get the front court options in Birch, and Chris Boucher is going to play some center again, I would assume. Uh, Achua is probably going to play some center. You know, there's enough there to fill in those minutes, especially when you think about, okay, they start going small with Scotty Barnes or OG playing the five or Siakam playing the five. There are more than enough guys to fill in 48 minutes at the five every night. And with the roster balance being kind of intact with Dragic kind of filling out that backcourt situation, you'd risk losing that if you traded Dragic away for what amounts to a sort of speculative guard in Tyrell Terry, who we really have no idea what he's going to be. If anything, Josh Green is more of a wing, and then Dwight Powell obviously would add more sort of bodies and minutes to share around to the center position and I don't think that's necessary now I think you keep Birch I think you start Birch probably from day one or you start small and you roll with it from there and yeah maybe the rebounding won't be great there's this weird fixation on rebounding as though it's the only thing that matters if your defense is incredible the rebounding can get away with being a little bit less stout we saw this with the championship team where they weren't the best rebounding team alive but because they forced misses on 60% of possessions they could kind of get get away with the odd offensive board sneaking in there and I think this team's defense is going to be quite good, as I talked about on yesterday's podcast when I answered the mailbag question from listener Alex. So those are my thoughts on Ken Merch. It's great. It's, it's awesome that he's back. Three years, $20 million is by no means an overpay. Uh, there are reports out there, perhaps, that he was looking at more money elsewhere and wanted to stay. Not surprising, considering the conversation we had with his mother, Wendy Sparks, on this very podcast about how this was the only place he wanted to be. And I'm glad that he got his wish, and I'm glad the Raptors get their dude back in the mix. All right, with that, let's get to the conversation with David Ramil of Locked on Heat as we chat all about Goran Dragic and Precious Achua. Before we do that, though, just a reminder that our show today is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar, who are making the best-tasting protein bars money can buy. They've got nine staple flavors, including some delights like mint brownie or strawberry or orange or cookies and cream. If you aren't sure which flavor you might like the best, you should get mint brownie. But if you're not sure, go and buy yourself a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors, and then you can decide which one you want to get a 
full box of. Not only are Built Bars great tasting, but they're healthy for you too. All of the flavors include 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from just 130 to just 180, just 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. They're all great. They're all tasty. They're all good for you. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. That is the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, let's get to it. A uh, two-segment long conversation with myself and David Ramil of Locked on Heat. It's a ton of fun. Enjoy. Special crossover episode here with Sean Woodley of Locked on Raptors. I am David Ramil of Locked on Heat, and we're talking about the recent news, because nothing's been finalized just yet, between the Miami Heat and Toronto Raptors finalizing a trade to acquire Kyle Lowry on the Miami end and Precious Achua and Goran Dragic going over to Toronto. At least that's what's been reported. I think perhaps a second-round pick will be included in that as well. At least that's what I've heard from team sources. Uh, for the most part, I'm curious what your perspective is on that because I haven't really yeah. gotten into a, a eulogy yet, so to speak, regarding Goran Dragic. But I know whenever you and I have talked, you don't really like Goran Dragic too much. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I know the latest scuttle is that they're trying to reroute his contract, presumably to the Dallas Mavericks, but Mark Cuban is playing hardball there. He does not want to pay the full $19 million owed to Goran. What's your feeling on this? Because, I mean, again, it feels like there was this mutual parting that was kind of building over the last season or more, maybe with Kyle. And then they kind of were saying, well, you know what? We're going to lose Kyle anyway. We might as well get something in return. But now they've taken on this $20 million contract for an older point guard. Well, not that much older. He's actually slightly younger than Kyle Lowry. But they're mm-hmm. going to take back Goran Dragic's contract. And and now all of a sudden, it kind of feels like they don't really want to deal with that contract. I, I, I'm a little confused as to why Masai has taken on the deal with Goran in the first place. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess the limited options with the Heat kind of apply, right? And, and I, I guess, you know, there's the sort of school of thought that the Raptors could have not played ball with the heat and forced yeah. Lowry to walk into their cap space and yep. you know force the heat to do some things there. I think the Raptors are very happy to get a guy like Precious Achua back. He feels very Raptorsy in that he's a good defender and maybe we don't know if he's good on offense, but you know that's that fits the bill with a lot of guys on the Raptors right now and they've had a lot of success with guys like that in the past. That's and then with Dragic, I mean they can maybe milk another asset out of him, you know, if they can flip him over to Dallas. Actually, on yesterday's podcast, I did a chat on Lockdown Raptors with Nick Angstat from Lockdown Mavs, where we kind of dug into what the return could be. And if the Raptors can convince the Mavs to give up Dwight Powell plus, you know, Josh Green and Tyrell Terry, which is kind of the the match that I have circled from when I'm looking at the, the roster of the Mavs and the cap math that's required. I think that's totally fine. You know, Green and Terry didn't do much as rookies, but those are developmental projects for a team that loves developmental projects. And so, you know, if they can get those assets in the door for Lowry, I think that's a, that's a win. Again, kind of going back to the deadline, there's this sort of notion that the Raptors dropped the ball by playing chicken and, and ultimately not dealing Lowry to either the Lakers or the Heat or the Sixers. Sixers and yeah. I, I just, I, I don't really care, honestly, you know, there's this sort of inclination to think and have asset brain all the time and think every yeah. player on your roster must be exchanged for as many assets as possible. And I just don't think that applies to franchise icons. I just don't care. And they wanted to do right by Kyle. They didn't feel like they were getting proper offers for Kyle at the deadline. They wanted to keep the possibility of keeping him around open. And also they wanted to keep the flexibility that him walking for nothing would have provided as it turns out the free agent market didn't bear out to be super fruitful 
you know, the Jared Allen sort of rumors were quashed real quick because the Cavs gave him a huge offer and the Raptors probably were going to be in touch to force Cleveland not to match in tough to force Cleveland not to match if they were to throw an offer sheet his way. And Rashawn Holmes is like the one guy they could have maybe targeted with their cap space, but also I'm not too broken up about not paying Rashawn Holmes, you know, whatever it is, 14 million bucks a year. He's a nice player, but he's not making or breaking your franchise. And there's a long history of giving big deals to people in free agency that don't work out. <clears throat> Damari Carroll and a whole bunch of others. You know, right. think of all the dudes the Heat signed in free agency, you know, in the post, you know, Bosch and Wade years. Like that there's, you know, there's not always a guarantee there. So I think the Raptors looked at the landscape and said, you know what, using our cap space maybe isn't going to be the move here. And if we bring back Drogic, hey, maybe we can flip into the Mavericks and that still might happen. It may have happened by the time this airs, who knows? But even if it's just the matter of bringing Drogic back, I think there's value in having him on the team. You know, the Raptors' biggest issue is half-court creation and, and ball handling. And Drogic brings that, right? Like, he's been a really nice piece for the Heat in that very department recently. I think if you throw Drogic in and have him run bench units and maybe close sometimes with Fred Van Vliet in the backcourt... That's a totally good way to stay relevant. And this is not a team that is going to tank. They have too many good players on hand to tank. First of all, you would assume when they don't have all their best players coming down with COVID for months at a time, and they're not playing in a, a different country and different and down in Florida, that things are going to be a little bit more Raptorsy in terms of kind of overachieving expectations and playing well and being in the playoff conversation. They're not a title contender, but they're also not going to tank. And so I think you keep Dragic around if you can't get a good deal and he helps you be relevant and good and sort of get back to what the Raptors have been for the last seven, eight, 10 years, almost right. All kind of under Kyle Lowry. There's not really a huge incentive to move off of him. Yes. It's not the sexiest way to have spent that cap space that they hypothetically could have had. But if you look at the market, you're really not hand wringing over too many of the guys they might've missed out on, unless you are an absolute Rashawn Holmes truther, which I don't know if any of those exist, frankly. So yeah, it's, maybe not the best asset management from a getting the most you possibly can out of every outgoing contract type of situation, but I also am not at all broken up about it. And if it's Drogic and precious and a second round pick and maybe another player, just depending, you know, there's this sort of weirdness as to how much Kyle's actually going to be making on his deal. And, you know, I think Woj reported it as approximately 90 million and that approximately kind of matters. If it's 87.5, the math is just precious and Dragic works, but if it's actually 90 million, they'll probably have to send back KZ Akpala too. And if that's another asset you can add to the coffers, that's totally, you know, totally fine too. So, you know, I just wish this trade would get finalized mostly because it's been a lot of hypoth like, uh, hypotheticals and stuff, but yeah, I, it's, people will have their issues with it. And Dragic in particular is kind of a thorny character in Toronto because sure. You know, he's had some dust-ups with Kyle Lowry and with the Raptors. He tripped OG Ananobi in a game last year. People really don't forget that stuff. But I've also kind of made the argument that he's the exact type of heel that Toronto Raptors fans adore, as proved by how much they love Kyle Lowry, a guy who Absolutely. most other fan bases truly hate. So, right. like, it's going to be a pretty quick, uh, I think, accepting acceptance of Goran Dragic if he is, in fact, on the Raptors next season. And I personally have talked myself into it and I'd rather they, they keep him than ship him off for parts to Dallas. 
Well, there's also the possibility, right, of just retaining him for the next few months. If if Toronto's yeah. status is not actually a title contender, they can keep an asset like Coron, trade him in February to a would-be title contender, and perhaps totally. yeah, get something there at that point in time. Maybe even milk Dallas at that point in time, and just you know make take advantage of the next few months with Goran on the roster. So this is your opportunity. We're here talking. I mean, you know how I feel about Goran Dragic. If you've got questions about Goran or Precious, I am more than willing to answer them because I I mean I feel like. A lot of Heat fans are kind of, well, not taking this as badly as Raptors fans are taking the loss of Kyle, but I think that it's kind of hard to equate apples to slightly, you know, comparable apples. Uh, you know, <laughs> they don't really like the deal. I mean, I've seen a lot of people say, well, what's the point of trading one 35-year-old point guard for another? And so, I mean, obviously, you know, Kyle is a much different player than Goran Dragic is, but that's not to say that Goran doesn't have value. And the loss of Precious Achua, I, I don't, well, I don't really think of him as much of a loss, and maybe that's not what Raptors fans want to hear right now. But Ashua, <laughs> go ahead. Well, you had something to ask? No, no, I, I was just laughing because that's uh, you know, <laughs> it's. I find it so funny. Just in any sort of trade, both sides are just like so angry all the time about what's going on because the people get so attached to the what's like their stuff, right? It's just, yeah. you know, it's the playground mentality where you want to trade your your Barry Bonds baseball card for someone else's Ken Griffey Jr. but you're trying to get also something in addition to the Ken Griffey Jr. because you right. are really valuable you're really valuing the Barry Bonds like it's just it's how it works and you know for any Heat fans who are skeptical about Lowry you know I think it's not unfair to say that Lowry is a much better sort of all-around basketball player than Dragic these days he's still a very right. good defender his playmaking is outstanding and he just does the stuff that wins you games it's totally unquantifiable except it actually is and if you look at any sort of catch-all metrics from the last 10 years in the nba of you know wins above replacement or vorp or raptor or any of these other ones that are all made up and i don't know where they come from but <laughs> kyle lowry's in the top five or ten of basically every single one of these since 2010 he's incredible like he's a really dynamic winning basketball player and I think the Heat are very lucky to have him. And I think the fit with Jimmy and Bam is outstanding. Bam is going to become a right. whole new player, man. Yep. Kyle Lowry gets big men paid and really kind of highlights all of their abilities. It was really Aaron Baines was the first time he didn't make a big man look better than he actually is. He got Bismack Biombo like $17 million a year. He's really freaking good. Um, right. when it comes right. to Dragic, to, yeah, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, no, I was just, I, I remember that uh, he had that really great season with Toronto and then he signed with the Orlando Magic and never really yeah. quite panned out. We're going to wrap up with a little bit more Dragic and Achua talk to close out the show with Dave. But first, just a reminder that next week on the podcast is going to be Kyle Lowry week. We're going to reflect on his entire time in Toronto. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be cathartic. It's going to be great. I, I look forward to it. We also get episode 1000 on Monday, which is kind of fun and cool. Nice little milestone. Uh, and so, yeah, that next week, Kyle Lowry week, it'll be the final week of daily shows as well before we scale down to three a week. Um, so you get to get a break from my voice, I suppose. But there's no better way to close out the daily schedule than to talk all about Kyle Lowry for five straight days. So that's what we got. We'll sprinkle in some breaking news if there is any over the time. But for the most part, it will be Kyle Lowry all day, every day, uh, next week on the podcast. So enjoy. Let's get back to the conversation now with myself and Dave Ramil. Exactly. Yeah. And when it comes to Dragic, yeah, I think, let, let me ask you this then with Dragic. Uh, we'll get to Precious in a sec, who I think is the more interesting sort of long-term play for the Raptors. Because yeah, Dragic will be around for a year or less if he does stick around. But in terms of what he can still bring, yes, he's been hurt quite a bit in the last couple of years, I know, but 
you know, as I kind of alluded to, the Raptors half court issues have been real. They've had a lot of trouble scoring in half court sets ever since Kawhi left, frankly. Is Dragic someone who can help with that? And how do you think he fits with the sort of mix of players the Raptors have from Siakam to Ananobi to Van Vliet and everyone in between? I, I think it's going to take him a little while to get that kind of chemistry, even with somebody like Bam Adebayo. Prior to that, you know, working with Hassan Whiteside, it's something that Goran has learned how to do slowly over the tail end of his career. At this point in his career, he's not quite the dynamic playmaker he may once have been in Phoenix or in Houston when he was playing alongside Kyle Lowry, ironically enough. But in, in Miami, it's something that's kind of been a slow development for him. But I, I still think that he is deceptively quick uh he's never been the most physical player or the fastest it's something that he's you know he explained to me when i first talked to him when he first joined the heat you know he has that move that everybody refers to down here as the iron shoulder where he kind of creates space underneath the rim which is why he finishes at the rim at such a high level or at least that's how he used to finish at the rim uh he, he actually just you know uses his physicality to some degree because he doesn't have that elite athleticism or burst and so he just has to create space in order to finish at the rim at that point in time. So I think he's still a great playmaker, um, not as great as Kyle, but he's still a decent scorer. And I think like last year was a bad year for him because he was coming off that plantar fascia tear in the Orlando mm -hmm. bubble. It was a long season. Last year was disastrous for Miami, not quite to the extent as Toronto, but it was just tough. You know, they lost Jimmy for 10 games in the middle of the season. They they were playing very badly. Goran missed time because of health and safety protocols. He was bouncing back from injury. He is older, but I think his shooting is still a, a plus. I think he's still going to be able to knock down the three-pointer with some regularity. He's got the nice mid-range shot as well. He doesn't get to the line as much as Kyle, which has always been a, a point of contention for me, is that for a, a player like Goran to have the ball in his hands as much as he does, he needs to be able to draw more fouls. And this is... This is going to be a frustrating point for Raptors fans if you do wind up keeping Goran because the the you know the familiarity with seeing Kyle draw fouls as quickly and easily as he does, <laughs> not getting that with Goran Dragic. But uh, he, you know he just he will complain to referees at times and then he will kind of lose his cool a little bit and commit a hard foul to make up for it because he wants to continue yelling and getting attention and things of that sort. That could be a little frustrating at times, but overall, I'd say he's still a very good player. Like I mean, just as a a personal side, I, I always really appreciated Goran in Miami. I think Heat fans really loved him. I still think he's the best point guard in Heat history. So it's kind of swapping <laughs> the mutual best point guards in franchise history. I, I think you can make a case for Tim Hardaway. But Goran's career has been so weird. And it's something I've talked about on my own show. But maybe just for the sake of, you know, Raptors fans listening to this. You know, he was acquired in 2015 and almost immediately Chris Bosch is diagnosed with, you know, life-threatening blood clots. And so you're not quite sure. sure what happens. And that season kind of falls apart. They don't make the playoffs. They draft, you know, draft Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson the following year. And then they make a nice run. They meet the Raptors in the final and the playoffs. And it seems like almost it could have gone either way in that series, if not for Kyle Lowry playing as well as they did. You're damn right. Not for, if not for Kyle Lowry. <laughs> But if I recall correctly, Gora had a pretty solid series at, at that time, too. I think it was okay, but they were also missing Chris Bosch yet again, who was missing, you know, because of, uh, you know, the blood clots uh, coming back again. So it's been this weird tenure for him. And then Dwayne leaves in 2016 following the loss of the Raptors. Uh, you know, they have that 41-41 season where they've got these guys on one-year prove-it deals like James Johnson, former Raptors, great James Johnson, uh, you know, De Deion Waiters, Derek Williams was here for one year too. So you could never really appreciate what Goran was able to bring to the table because the team wasn't always great. And the expectations sure. for him were so weird because they had acquired him at a point in time where they were 
a, a legitimate threat to, if not necessarily the title, at least be a strong playoff contender. If, if Bosch had stayed healthy, you know, you add him to that roster that you know Miami had in 2015, 16, and 17. That's a different roster. That's a completely different team there. And Gorn, totally you know, being a part of that, he was never expected to handle the brunt of the offense. He was never su- supposed to carry the team. And yet that's kind of the role that was thrust upon him. And then you have to transition yet again when you've got younger players. You've got Dion who comes back from injury and he's expected to be this player that he never really pans out to be. And then, of course, you, you just wind up losing him again. Then Dwayne comes back right before his retirement and the focus is completely on him. It's just it's been a really weird stint for Goran in Miami. And he just he's always been consistent and, and really easy to talk to from a media perspective. He's just a fan favorite. I think a lot of people really appreciated his grit and tenacity and the fact that he is a little, you know, maybe not cheap or dirty, but I think he just, he does get physical at times. And I think it's something that as a fan, you could probably appreciate his effort on the floor because you know that he's doing it to make up for that lack of athleticism on the court. I think he's going to be a, a nice fit there. He could be a starter. He could be a six man off the bench, which is the role that he was expected to carry last year too. So I, I mm-hmm. think it's, I think it's a nice addition. I, there are worse things that you can get in exchange for Kyle Lowry than Goran Dragic, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I am definitely going to be uh, heading to our friends at betonline.ag and putting some money down on uh, on Goran winning six man of the year this coming year. <laughs> like it's, you know, it might be a long shot. There's lots of other yeah. candidates, but I just really feel like kind of that insertion of creation and sort of wise floor management into a lineup that's going to feature guys like Chris Boucher and Malachi Flynn and probably Scotty Barnes, the Raptors first round pick. Like I think there's a lot of reason to think that second unit, if Dragic sticks around could be really, really entertaining and Dragic would be a big reason for it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I, I think there's something I've also mentioned before, and uh, maybe Heat fans have forgotten, but, uh, you know, the, there was a language barrier that was very difficult for him to assume the role of leadership. And he's right. kind of evolved into it. And I think that's a, a huge component of just being the kind of mentor locker room presence now that uh, people kind of tend to overlook or not consider because, you know, this is Jimmy's team now and it was Jimmy's team last season. And before that, it was Dwayne's team or Chris Bosch's team. And then Goran was just kind of there, but he's slowly become a strong presence in the locker room. So while he may never be Kyle from an inspirational standpoint, he's still a guy that younger players can look up to, to, you know, just his work ethic, his consistency, his dedication and things of that sort. I think they're pretty admirable and consistent traits that will inspire those around him. So I, I think he's a nice addition, to be honest with you. I'm I'm curious to see what your questions about Precious Achua are, because that I think is a bigger issue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't, I'm not under any, under any aspersions that, you know, uh, he's going to be some sort of you know, future of the team sort of foundational piece going forward. But I I am very fascinated by Achua. And maybe this is just because a couple of glimpses against the Raptors in particular last year had me intrigued. But like, I don't know, am I wrong in saying very good defensive prospect with, you know, limited offensive upside or so far has exhibited limited offensive upside? Like what's the read on Achua? What are the Raptors getting in him? And if he does come in and is sort of like the backup center on the team next season, Ooh. what can Raptors fans expect? Because, you know, I think 
there's always this sort of assumption when the heat it's kind of like when the raptors get a young guy right it's like oh the raptors of the heat got this young guy they're clearly going to turn them into something awesome you know it is a little bit of i suppose a red flag when the heat are like yeah we'll move on from this guy but also they wanted kyle lowry so maybe you have to give up something to get something what's the sort of read on achua and what are the raptors getting in him as uh, as a project here as a guy who's just like 21 years old yeah, that's really tough to answer. And I know I, I hate being this vague for the sake of your listeners, but I, you know, spent a year watching Precious and not knowing what the hell I was watching most of the time. It was very <laughs> difficult to get a really clear understanding because there's incredible athleticism there. Like there were moments there mm-hmm. where he seemed even more explosive than Bam Adebayo, which is saying something. Uh, and right. just he's somewhat undersized too absolutely foul prone and i think that's the biggest point of contention i think that your 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 fans will absolutely dislike how quickly he picks up fouls and it's not for any you know lack of effort or anything like that he's just i don't know he just seems to pick up fouls very quickly he seems a little spaced out on defense on on occasion he's out of position somewhat um just hasn't really picked up on the speed of the game and then there are moments there where he has this really nice bursts of athleticism and you know he, he has a pretty nice handle he can initiate the offense and bring the ball up court and lead to a fast break or a slam or something like that and it's just like oh where where is this precious been why isn't he out there mm-hmm. and yet eric spolstra who you know i think he'll he'll give young guys the playing time if he feels that they've earned it he just he never really played precious consistently it was hard to know what you were getting out of him regularly and i think that you know if, if you're if raptors fans are looking forward to the possibility of getting casey okpala okpala is in the same boat he, he just has not been able to crack the rotation consistently there are moments there where you go this is it it's kz season heat fans have been trumpeting his his you know his ascension to the ranks at some point and it just <laughs> never ever works out because there's like this moment where he has a three-point shot and a steal and it's like this is it and then all of a sudden he gets it. He picks up two fouls within 30 seconds. It's like, oh, damn it. That's right. Yes, he's not going to get any playing time for the next two weeks. Um, so with Precious, look, he, he's, you know, he's got the all-around game. I think he can be. His hands are absolute crap. Uh, he he right. sometimes he bobbles the ball horribly and he just he just doesn't not does not seem like he's expecting the play to be run for him I'm not sure if it's just that same kind of lack of timing or understanding of timing or something along those lines but it's just hard to watch him play sometimes and maybe that's just a matter of him not really playing basketball a lot you know he play, he picked up the sport late in life uh, you know he got that scholarship to Memphis because of his athleticism and everything else and then you know it was one and done basically so I don't know that he can really I don't know that we've seen the very best of him. I, I don't think so. There is absolutely a prospect there. I'm just not sure what the end product is going to be. Yeah. And I mean, that's totally fair. I, I think the Raptors are very happy to take on a dude with crazy athleticism, with some tools and maybe some things to iron out. I wouldn't be surprised if even precious got a little run in the G league this year. I know he kind of spent the whole year in the NBA this past season, but the well, G league yeah. was its own weird sort of, animal this past year where it wasn't really conducive to for development for anybody and so uh, miami didn't feel the g league team at all so i mean that would have been a great option to just send him down and give him the kind of experience he needs and that never panned out yeah so i'm I'm not too concerned you know again it's not maybe the sexiest outcome here and i know people were like oh man they could have gotten tyrese maxi for kyle Kyle lowry or matisse thibel because the raptors definitely need another six foot seven wing who can't shoot um (laughs) and is very good at defense like yeah, I, I I think Precious is a totally fine gamble and seeing if you can turn him into something over the next couple of years here while he's still on his rookie deal, it's totally a, a worthwhile thing. And the Raptors have figured this thing out in the past, whether he becomes like a stretch five or something, probably not. But, you know, if you can mold him into 
you know, a, a dive man who, you know, can offer you some rim protection, even if he's undersized. I mean, he's such a thick dude. Like he's very, very imposing. And I, I, I kind of think that matters more than the raw height listing. And I think there's a, there's a lot to be excited about there in terms of him being a guy who might be something. Is he guaranteed to be something? Certainly not. But I think considering the Raptors acumen for developing talent, I, I think he's a worthwhile sort of profile of a player to take a flyer on and see if you can turn it into something in exchange for Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I think there was also hope, at least from Miami side, that maybe he would be the, the guy to fill in at the four next to Bam. Like maybe that sure. they would be somewhat complementary of one each other or of each other, or maybe even duplicative to some degree, like both athletic, both undersized, but you know, capable of switching on defense and making the right mm. play and things of that sort, and just never quite panned out. They didn't really get a lot of playing time. I can't recall exactly how much, but it was just very, very limited. And I, I just I don't know. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect or want him to be the the backup center just because of the the height issue and things of that sort but if you could bring him in there as another four alongside somebody that's more of a traditional rim protector if you do somehow manage to you know trade Goron for Dwight Powell Powell's not quite the same rim protector but at least there's a little bit more size and floor spacing so that you're not I think that seems much more complimentary the fit of those two so that would be a nice find from uh, Toronto I think Sure. Makes a lot of sense, man. I, uh, <laughs> I you know, it, it is a, you're not getting this. Uh, it's a sign and trade, right? Like there, there wasn't a, wasn't a whole lot of leverage. He could have walked, Larry could have walked to Miami on his own without any sort of sign and trade. I think he kind of maybe did the Raptors a solid by, you know, working yeah. with them on one. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, you know, anything back for a, a pending free agent is always better than getting nothing. And I think if Achua can, become something then people will be much less unhappy about not getting Tyrese Maxey or whatever the hell it was at the deadline. 